Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike Katarn to welcome you here to North Star as we continue our series called Live Sent. So go ahead and do me a favor. Take out your Bibles. If you got them, you got your notes on the way in. Also, the app we will be referring to as we walk along this morning. Before we go any further, there's, a, there's an elephant in the room. You don't have to hear about it again till spring. How about the Braves, huh? How about the Braves? Good week. The great week. It was so fun. We, were, we went away to celebrate our 30th anniversary, and we celebrated just like we did 30 years ago, watching the Braves. And so we were watching the game, and the Braves got the big lead. And how many of y'all were still nervous, even with the big lead? I was, and you're like, Mike, why were you nervous? Because I have given up a lead like that, all right? And so I was like, I couldn't wait to the final out, but it was such a fun week for our city. And uh, it was just fun to experience it, to watch it, to be a part of it. Uh, I know a lot of you, I saw you at games, I saw you at the stadium. Today, we're gonna be talking about getting out of our comfort zones, which ties in with this. As I get older, I have found my comfort zone gets larger, right? So as I get older, there are less and less things that I want to do. So I said something the other day, and I hate to admit this in public. I never dreamed I would say this, never, like in a million years. In fact, I would have sworn that I wouldn't have said it. So my mom and dad growing up, we used to make a joke that there were gates on the city of Fayetteville and they had to return by like 4 p.m. because the gates closed. They never wanted to leave their little town. And, and I'm thinking, that's crazy, right? So the parade's happening. We flew back in. We celebrated our 30th out of town, flew back in, and I had a million people go, are you going to the parade? And I said these words, and I'm ashamed to admit them, but I said them, and the words were, why would I want to go and get a cra in a crowd like that when I can watch it on TV? Oh, Lord. I did it. I said it, right? I uttered the words that my father would have said. Why? Because of my comfort zone. We like our comfort zone. I want to be where I'm comfortable. I want to be where I know what I can count on. I don't want to get in crowds. I don't want to get all those kind of things. So Mary Michael got married the other week. We did not dance at our wedding. So it's 30 years ago. We didn't dance at our wedding because I was afraid I would lose my job at the church I was in. You laugh, all right? If you would you have supported me? No, all right? And so I, I thought, so we didn't dance at our wedding. So Ann said at Mary Michael's wedding, I would love for us to take dance lessons and do a dance at the wedding. Comfort zone, comfort zone, comfort zone, all right? And so, you know why Baptists don't dance? You ever watch one try? All right, and so there, there, was a, there was a big problem. And so for two months, every Friday at noon, we went and took dance lessons. Casey would call us on Friday and go, what are y'all up to? I'm like, oh, mom and I gotta go do something. He thinks we've been in counseling, all right? And so he didn't know what we were doing every Friday at noon. But anyways, it was comfort zone, right? It's not what I'm comfortable with. I have no problem with dancing. I just don't want to be the one dancing. That's my deal, comfort zone. You never will live sent if you wanna stay in your comfort zone. You will never live the life that God created for you to live if you stay in the bubble where you're comfortable. So you go back to the early church, the story that we just read today, so good. Larry read it down here, and I know Janine and Hope read it up in True North. This early church loved what God was doing. They loved how God was doing it. They loved the people that were coming to know Christ. 
But all of a sudden, something happens and they got uncomfortable. All of a sudden, something began to happen and they were disturbed. All of a sudden, this group of people called the Gentiles were now hearing about Jesus. They were coming to know the Lord and all of a sudden, this early church got very, very unsettled and they got out of their comfort zone and they got into an area where Simon Peter was living sent and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We like when God works this way, we just don't want him working over here. That was what was going on in the early church, that story we just read. This gentleman, who's the main character of the story, Simon Peter, we read it now, we know who Simon Peter is, but in that, in that story, Simon Peter was the rock star. Simon Peter was the guy. He wasn't just one of the guys. He was one of the guys that not only saw Jesus, he was one of the three that was closest to Jesus that had the most upfront personal knowledge. He was the one that Jesus said, Simon, I'm changing your name to Petros, the rock, and on this rock, I'm gonna build my church. And sure enough, he'd been preaching on the day of Pentecost and everybody revered Simon Peter. And now everybody turns on Simon Peter. So if we make the choice today, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, to live sent, to say, coming to church isn't good enough for me anymore. Coming and sitting and watching a message, worshiping, watching online with my pot of coffee on my back deck, I, I, I need more than that. I'm gonna prepare you. Living sent will get you out of your comfort zone, and not everybody wants you to leave your comfort zone. So if you got a pen, pencil, something to write with this morning, you got thumbs to type in some notes with in your uh, app, I want you to write down a couple thoughts. Ready? Thought number one this morning. When I commit to live sent, some people won't be happy for me. I want to unpack that. Some people won't be happy for me. This is crazy. You and I, the majority, not all, the majority of us in this room would qualify as Gentiles. That means we were not born um, with a Jewish background. If this story doesn't happen, you and I may not be sitting in this room. I think the early, you gotta think, they have watched the day of Pentecost. They watched 3,000 come to know Christ on one day. They've watched Stephen stone for his faith. They have seen this early church scattered. They watched Saul come to know Christ. But now all of a sudden, their normative life has become abnormal. They don't like it. See, long before America existed, there were prejudices that existed. And you see them lived out in this story. Look, look at what it says in Acts 11 too. Can you imagine? So Simon Peter has this amazing thing that's just happened and he's going back to tell his friends about it. But look at what happened. But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers, what's the next word? Criticized him. Isn't that funny? You would think the Jewish believers celebrated it. 
the Jewish believers gave him a parade. The Jewish believers, Simon, Simon Peter, you're amazing. You were obedient. I mean, Simon Peter was the guy. And yet, even being the guy, he left the normative and, and separated himself out in a step that he took we're going to talk about, and they didn't like it. They didn't like it a bit. And they criticized him. It's not, not new. You go back to the Old Testament, Joseph, God gave Joseph a dream. Joseph shares the dream with his brothers, and his brothers tried to kill him, right? David shows up at the battlefield to kill a giant. Well, he shows up really with bread and cheese for his brothers. They're out there to fight a battle with a giant that they've looked at and stared at for 40 days, but hadn't done anything with. And David's like, who is this clown talking in the middle of this field? And why is he talking so ugly? I'll, I'll take him. And the Bible says, and his brothers basically told David, shut your pie hole and go back to, it's in the Greek, all right, and go back to the side. We don't hear from you. His greatest critics were the ones closest to him. Know this, sometimes when you leave the comfort zone, those that you thought would applaud you will try to pull you back. So if you're a coach in this room, you watch it all the time on athletic teams, you'll see one student athlete or athlete trying to separate themselves and you'll see a group of people trying to pull them back to the messy middle, right? Because it's easier for all of us to be comfortable. I remember Northster started to, we'll celebrate this in January, 25 years ago. How many of you, let me ask this question. How many of you in Compass and True North, I've got moles up there watching that'll give me the numbers at the end. How many of you would say, Mike, I was at the very first North Star. We had 365 people there. I was at the very first North Star service. Raise your hand if you're in Compass today. We have two, is anybody else? We have two. That lasted a long time. All right, and so we have two in here and I know we have a couple that are always in True North. So when we started 25 years ago, it's funny, God laid on our heart to start this church and, and we started it for people who didn't go to church. We wanted to be a church for people who didn't go to, and that didn't exist 25 years ago. Do you know who our greatest critics were? They weren't lost people in our community. They were other churches. And I went from being the guy that everybody wanted to have around as a youth pastor in our area so when we started this, there was a season where there were no eight by 10 Mike Lynch glossies on anybody's desk. They didn't like it. They were like, why do we need another church? Many of you saying our churches aren't good enough. And our greatest critics were people we thought would be our greatest fans. It's funny, it sort of changed over 25 years. So we made a commitment early as a church. We will never be a critic of a new church starting. We will do whatever we can to help them. Why? Because I don't want to put somebody else through what we went through. Simon Peter, yes or no? Did Simon Peter, in the story we just read, did he do what God told him to do? Yes or no? Yes. And people still criticized him. See, we think we take criticism when we're outside God's will. A lot of times we take criticism when we're in the middle of God's will. 
We're doing what God told us to do, and yet not everybody understands it. I think these believers' hearts were right. I just think they were wrong. So I remember a season in church when I had friends that would do a, a night to reach students back in the day. Sitting is bad now. It still happens. but And kids would show up at their church that said they wanted to reach kids and they weren't dressed right or their hair wasn't right or their color wasn't right. And they would be asked to, before they come back, would you get a haircut or would you take off your hat? Or, and it's foreign. You're like, what? They don't know the Lord. But they didn't fit in the box, right, that was created. Simon Peter did what God told him to do, but yet they didn't get it. So we learn principle number two, to live sent. I've got to pray that God will open my eyes to those that he wants me to reach. He'll open my eyes to those that he wants me to reach. I want you to write this thought down, ready? God has designed me to reach someone. Would you write that down? Every one of you. God's designed you to reach somebody. And nobody else can reach them but you, like you. God has designed me to reach someone. In fact, he's put our story together just perfectly for somebody that needs our story. Pray that God will show me. I want you to look at the way it worked in the life of Simon Peter. So he begins to tell them what happened. And Peter said, I was in the town of Joppa, and while I was, what's the next word there? So are we praying to change God's heart or are we praying that God will change our heart? I think in that prayer time, Simon Peter had his heart changed. I will tell you this. If you don't pray for God to show you others, you will only see yourself. And seeing me is very natural. Taking care of my needs, I am A plus at. I'm 99 out of 100 on taking care of Mike Lynch's needs before I take care of anybody else's. If I don't pray that God shows me the people around me, I will miss the people around me. How many of you in this room say, I have no problem thinking about me and my needs? Raise your hand. Okay. If you didn't raise your hand, you can repent after the service, but you need to. Do before the Falcons play the Saints, all right? And so we, 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 we have this whole deal where our eyes go inward. But Simon Peter, look at what he said. He prayed, and while he was praying, the voice from heaven said, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. God reveals to Simon Peter, listen, the Gentiles are not called to fit in the Jewish culture. God's called you to reach them. See, the problem the early church had wasn't necessarily that just the Gentiles had heard. The biggest problem, the biggest problem they had with, biggest beef with Simon Peter was he ate dinner with them. They had a big problem with that. He should have never been hanging out with them. Because if the Jews 
If the Gentiles believed, okay, we'll give them that, but they need to fit in our culture. And God's telling Simon Peter, no, it's not the way this is going to work. The way it's going to work is this. And I wonder if Simon Peter hadn't been praying if he would have been ready for what God had for him to do. It's so funny. We always think in life, there's a big moment we need to be ready for, right? There's a big moment. It's like when the big moment happens, I gotta be ready. So when, when God has that somebody for me, it's like the lights are gonna go off and, and the stars are all gonna align. It's gonna be a beautiful, glorious day and a bird's gonna come flying by and there's gonna be a letter in my mailbox. I mean, there's all kinds of, we play things up in our minds. But normally, it's the daily obedience. So as a father, looking back, as raising my kids, I prepared lots of big life speeches for my kids, like at least three times a week, all right? And so I had like the speech of all speeches where it's just the, the going away, you need this when you get older and the fire you up and be prepared for. And, and we had lots of those when the kids were growing up. You know what's so funny now that we talk about it and they're in their 20s? They don't remember any of those, none of them. It's very hurtful, actually. They don't remember any of those speeches. But you know, what, you know what they do remember? The throwaway conversations. After ball games, after drama, after some ball games that were drama. All right, and so there's a, there's, those are the conversations they remember. You never know who and what God has prepared for you. But when you pray and you're ready, you won't miss your moment. Today, I want you to hear the story of a precious lady here at North Star that's living sent. Now, I'm going to tell you, and she has every reason not to. I want you to listen to her story. Some people know me as a mom. Some people know me as a teacher. Some people know me as a missionary. But I am a mom. I'm a mom of three children of my own, and then I was blessed to be the mom of a young boy that I met in Haiti 10 years ago. I went on a mission trip to Haiti with North Star Church, and um, I figured I was going on my one-week deal. I often tell people it was kind of like my check in the box that I could say I have done a mission trip. When um, we were traveling on the trip, many of the young missionaries with me were all excited about all the little babies and were talking about how much they wanted a little Haitian baby. They're so beautiful. And I remember looking at them and thinking, oh my goodness, that is the last thing I need. I already raised my children. I don't need another child. However, God, again, had a different plan. And when we arrived, this small boy, who I actually thought was five at the time, came running around the back of the building that we were in and he ran to me. And I remember I rejected him and I passed him off to some of the other girls and um, not realizing what I was doing. And then that evening we came back and that evening he had a, a tennis ball that looked like it was 10 years old and he tried to play catch with me and I, it made me nervous, uncomfortable. And so I started playing catch, and I still remember it was Amy Roach that I tossed the ball to, and I said, hey, Amy, he wants to play catch. I didn't want to be alone with him. And again, I felt like I had pushed him aside. And then that evening when we came back for our service, 
He had saved a seat at the back of the church, and when we all walked in as a missionary group, he patted the seat on the church, and he looked right at me, and I knew that I had to go to him. And at that moment is the moment that I knew that God had placed another child in my hands. Five months ago, I was sitting in my lawyer's office with my husband because we were making plans for retirement financially. And as I was sitting there, um, my husband mentioned, you know, that my dad had left a little money from, from uh, his passing. And at that time, I looked at the lawyer and I said, I've always wanted to do something good with this money and I wanted to leave it in my um, son Matthew's name. And he looked at me and he said, well, what did you want to do? And I said, well, I was thinking about starting a mission in Haiti. And he said, I can do that for you. As a matter of fact, we can have that done in two weeks. The book of Matthew has always been really important to me. And um, when I had my second child, the name Matthew is what I felt he needed to, to carry for his lifetime. Unfortunately, we lost Matthew to a battle of cancer at two and a half years old. But there was something I always wanted to leave in his name. And so when I decided to start the ministry, I thought that Matthew's mission of hope and joy, because he was the most joyful child, was the right name for our ministry. In that five months, so much has taken place. God has just taken over the entire ministry. He started with um, showing me that people needed to be fed. And when I found out that people needed to be fed, I realized that my son, who I left in Haiti 10 years ago, hadn't eaten in four days. So I immediately contacted um, someone that I had always remained friendly with in Haiti, and I asked him to um, just send $100, I said, and see if you can just get food to him. He hasn't eaten in a few days. And he looked at me, he called me and said, Diane, $100 will feed him for a month. And I went, that's good. And so the very next day, he took pictures of Fayol and his mom and his little brother, and there was big bags of rice and beans and all kinds of um, eggs and chicken. And what we realized is that $100 a month can feed a family. At that time, I um, realized that there were so many other families that we could help. And so while my lawyer was going through all the paperwork and getting everything set up for us, I contacted who is now my liaison, Patrick, and I said, Patrick, is there a way that I can get some funding to you so that you can feed other people besides Veol? And he said, absolutely. And that's when we started our program together, um, just feeding groups of people that he would know, groups in his community, groups in another community. And that just led and opened more doors. This ministry, which I thought was gonna stop being a ministry of just making sure that we were getting everyone fed, has led to feeding them, housing them, and educating them. The people that I met and the things that I saw made me realize that God had a different plan for me. I believe often that um, people ask me about why I go to Haiti or they could never go to Haiti or, um, and you know, what people need to understand is to really live a live sent life. 
You want to make sure that you're doing what God has planned for you. It may not be Haiti. It may be working at your school. It may be volunteering at the church. It may be helping neighbors in your neighborhood. But everyone is called to live sent by God. Would y'all join me and give Diane a hand? Wasn't that great? I love that story for a couple reasons. Number one, I was on that trip. I remember it vividly. Number two, Diane has every reason not to live sent. You could tell from her accident she didn't grow up accent. She didn't grow up in Cartersville. All right, and so uh, Diane's not from around this area. Their kids are grown. She's getting ready to retire. But yet she said, I'm gonna make the most of my life. Here's the word I want you to write down, ready? We're gonna have our last two points, available. The biggest difference between Diane and Ryan last week, they just made themselves available. They're no different than us. They're no different, they're no better, they're no worse. They're just, they're available. Lord, you didn't put me here by accident. See, what, what people know that begin to live sent is number three is what Simon Peter learned in the story. They're confident God's already working in the hearts of those they encounter. They're already confident. God's already working. He's just gonna use me. So let's talk about this for a second. How many of you would say, I believe God knows what he's doing? If your answer to that is true, would you just say yes? I do too. So if God already knows what he's doing, and he's already working in people's lives, why, not, why would we not assume that we're just part of the equation? There's not a role in this journey. If you were left here with breath in your lungs, God's not done with you. God has a purpose for you, greater than you, bigger than you. Simon Peter watched it, I love, he said, we soon entered the house to the home of a man who had sent for us. He told us how an angel had appeared to him in his home and had told him, send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. Time out. What would be different about the story if Simon Peter hadn't have been available? I'm sorry, we went to Joppa and the guy named Simon Peter said he couldn't come. What would be different about the church today. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you this. I believe God's working all around us all the time. We just don't see it. And God's created your story to connect with someone else's story for a story that's bigger than yours. Simon Peter begins to share with the church, listen, you gotta know God, God set this, he set the whole thing up. And point number four, ready? When I commit to live sin, I must be prepared to tell others how they can know Jesus. And I want you to write under there, tell my story. You don't have to tell Mike's story. You don't have to tell your neighbor's story. Tell your story. I'm not asking for introverts to become extroverts. All right, so I'm not saying if you're quiet, 
I'm not telling you to get a bullhorn, stand on the corner with big signs. I'm not, if you do that, please take off your North Star magnet. All right, I don't wanna be associated with that. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about with the people in the places that you live. Being prepared to tell your story. Surviving the holidays, perfect example. Hey man, I know you've gone through a real hard time. My church is doing something. You wanna go with me? I'll take you. That's living scent. Putting a note on somebody's door at your office saying, hey, just wanted to let you know I prayed for you today. That's living scent. It's not the bombastic. It's, it's, not, it's not carrying your Bible around, carrying eight sizes, big Bible around. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about taking your life that you have been given and having a bigger purpose to it. Because here's my question. If we don't, who will? Who will? I believe heaven's a real place. I believe heaven's real. I don't think it's just a picture of a cloud in a sky with angel wings. And I, I, I think it's way more than that. I believe heaven is more real than the room we're sitting in right now. And I believe that when you're in heaven, you will be known as you're known here. I believe heaven's real. I believe that scripture says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And when you leave this earth, you open your eyes there that quick. I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any in between. I know a lot of you grew up with in between and, and all that. I don't believe scripture teaches that. I believe it's here to there. I believe heaven's real. But if I believe heaven's real, then I have to believe that what scripture says, that hell's real too. Mike, I don't like what scripture says about hell. I don't either. But if it's real, I got a role to play. Am I pointing people towards the Lord or is my life, my life pointing people away from the Lord? I want everybody to look at me. We get one shot. Everybody look at me. One shot to do this right. What will happen if I live sept? You could change people's eternity forever. Can I tell you the biggest difference between North Star 2021, North Star 1997? North Star 1997, when we started, that group of people, everybody got it. I can't tell you how many neighborhood things that like they would take the clubhouse in the neighborhood and do a spaghetti dinner for all their neighbors to tell them about their church and invite us to come. Tell them about the church. It was crazy. I did that all the time. It's crazy. Everybody lives sent. You know what happens over the course of time? I think we get comfortable. I think it's easy to come to church and we got all the stuff and we got all the toys and we forget that there's lives going on around us all the time of people who don't know. There's somebody counting on you. Are you ready? You in the game? Because I'm telling you, God left you here for somebody else's story. Would you pray with me? Father, don't ever let our comfort zones become too comfortable. God, don't ever let us become that church that's yesterday's church. And everything's a history lesson. God, I pray we're a church that lives sent. And pharmacies and schools, doctor's offices, 
neighborhoods, PTA meetings and bleachers sitting, waiting on our kids to get done with soccer practice. But every day we get up and say, okay, God, who have you put around me? And I think we'll be shocked at what we've missed. I thank you for Diane Searles living out a story bigger than hers and changing others' lives because she did. God, my prayer is for revival to break out in this community, not because of some great speaker that was brought to North Star, but because of a group of people who said, my life's gonna count. And I don't know how many days I've got here on this earth, but I ain't gonna waste any of them. I'm gonna live sent. I'll invest in my neighbor. I'll invest in my friend. At least I can do it. I can invite him to come with me. But my life's gonna point towards Jesus. Father, only you know what could happen if we live the life you created us to live. May this church live sent for you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen.